Thanks very much for listening. And I wanted to remind all of our listeners that on November 28th, 2022, over the following two weeks, we will have our conference in Las Vegas at the Palace Station. We will have 19 classes uh, over that two-week period. It's one of the largest law enforcement training conferences in the country and certainly the longest running since it's been going on since 1987 at the Palace Station. Uh, we will have great classes. There will be internal affairs, detective and new criminal investigator, death and homicide investigations, mobile phone investigations, uh, a ton of great classes. Check out our website at patc.com. It's a great time of year to be in Vegas, and we hope to see you there. Greetings and welcome. My name is Mark Waterfill. I'm the president and owner of Public Agency Training Council. PATC is the largest provider of seminars for police and fire departments across the country. We try to provide about 15 to 20 seminars per week. Check out our website at patc.com. We also provide webinars that are pre-recorded and full classes that are pre-recorded at patceducation.com, as well as have an online store there. I'm happy to be here with my co-host, Dave Broadway. Dave, introduce yourself. Hi, Dave Broadway, 34 years retired law enforcement and adjunct instructor for PATC and also an adjunct professor at Western Carolina University in the School of Criminology. Wonderful. And we're very happy today to have Melissa Marinville with us. Melissa is an excellent instructor. Uh, Melissa, why don't you give our audience a little background about yourself? Hello. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm really, really happy to be here. See here, my background uh, started a long time ago. Um, I started out in corrections and uh, law enforcement, and then they crossed me over and did crime scene investigations. So I was cross-trained, and then I left there to become a professor as well, David. <laughs> oh, so, good. Uh, I was a criminology professor for a long time, for about 17 years. I also taught, uh, actually, mass terrorism at, um, and criminology at Western Carolina University. Oh, well. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, yeah, I was an adjunct there. So when you said that, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. That, that sounds familiar. Um, Greetings from the catamounts. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, ultimately I'd been teaching adjuncts then after that for quite some time. Um, And then I decided to start developing law enforcement training programs. And then I I developed a business called DeVille and Associates. And what I do there is um, I also develop um, law enforcement trainings and other different types of trainings. Fantastic. And you're in Knoxville, Tennessee, right? Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful area of the country. Yes, yes. Especially if you're a volunteer. Go balls. Have to say that. <laughs> Absolutely. They're coming back. They're coming back. No doubt. Okay, we're definitely making a comeback and I am super excited. We're undefeated at the moment. And and uh yeah, so when we beat those gators, I tell you, I was so super excited. I've I've been happy for a week. Well, fans in Tennessee are adamant and they really love their vols. Yes, we're very loyal fans. <laughs> exactly. So tell us a little bit about what in your background caused you to want to focus on law enforcement training and the type of training that you provide. That's an excellent question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. I like, uh, I really like technology. My my doctorates, I'm, I'm finishing up my dissertation at the moment, and it focuses on cognitive psychology, but it doesn't focus on cognitive psychology as in a form of counseling or therapy. I look at how the brain processes information, how the brain learns, especially when it's being exposed to trauma. A lot of law enforcement are exposed to trauma. So also a part of that program is artificial intelligence and bot behavior. And it kind of crosses me over into um, cybercrime, uh, tracking cyber predators. And when I started doing that, I 
developed a training for um, Interpol, had requested me to develop one of their first uh, trainings. It was one of their world conferences on cryptocurrency and the dark mind. And when they brought me on board to do that training for them, it's a part of their IPSC program. I, I just, I was so fascinated by it. I, I got hooked and I've been in it ever since. And it really did cross over into my area with my doctorate's work, which is how the brain processes information. So bots, artificial intelligence also process the information very similar to the human brain, except the only difference is, is they don't have emotions and we do. And so with that being said, I really got interested in, in cryptocurrency investigations and then the anonymity behind that. So I started doing a lot of research and a lot of work on the surface web and the dark web, the differences between centralized platforms and decentralized platforms. And it just kind of took off from there. And I started looking at how, how criminals, um, how criminal behavior on the internet is so anonymous and what is it that we can do in order to crack into some of that anonymity and figure out exactly who is it, who's behind the scenes and whatnot. And so I really got interested in linkage analysis, uh, bot behavior behavior, artificial intelligence behavior. And a lot of predators, they want to prey on innocent victims on social media platforms and uh, gaming platforms uh, and whatnot. So that's how I kind of got into that. And then I just got hooked and I've been in it for, so, for years now. Well, let's back up for just a moment and kind of have some of our listeners <laughs> not be really familiar and start out with really basic uh, issues. What is cryptocurrency? Uh, cryptocurrency is just digital money. It's a form of digital digital money, and digital money has been around since the birth of the internet, which was in the early 1990s. And so it's been around for a long time, except it's just evolved over time into different formats. Cryptocurrency is actually, like I said, it's digital money, but it's it's a um, it's a way in which you can just make purchases on the internet. It's different than regular uh, digital money, such as you going on like through your banking institutions or whatnot. Ultimately, cryptocurrency has this really unique gift in that it's developed on the blockchain, which is nothing but basically hundreds and hundreds of thousands of different types of code. And with that, depending on how an individual developed their particular cryptocurrency. Today, there's well over 2,000 of them. And so depending on how the cryptocurrency was developed based on its algorithms will determine its anonymity. I'll give you a really good example. <clears throat> like the most popular cryptocurrency today is Bitcoin. And everybody's familiar with Bitcoin now. Now, Bitcoin, it's really unique in that it's what's on what we call a public blockchain, meaning that I can use open source intelligence and I can go in and type in a Bitcoin address and I can tell you how much is in that particular address. The difficult part is where does it come from? How does it originate? How can we backtrack it? When I do these trainings, I like to kind of call it like going down the rabbit hole. You have to go backwards down the rabbit hole. You've got to come from the end result and work your way backwards to try to figure out where it originated from. So cryptocurrency has several different sides to it. You can either do it from an investor's point of view, or you can do it from a gamer's point of view to whereas they'll, they'll use it in order to buy particular games on the internet. It can't, it's very difficult. It, it cannot be hacked and tracked, so to speak. So therefore you have to be very careful where you use it at. Uh, but also with what I work in and what I primarily do is looking at criminals, criminal behavior and how they are now drawn to it for that anonymity part of it. 
How do criminals use cryptocurrency? Oh, they do it in many different formats. Let's see. <clears throat> I see a lot of activity on the dark web into dark web marketplaces. Uh, these are marketplaces to whereas you can buy anything in the world. It does not matter. Anything goes on the dark web in these marketplaces. And when you go to one of them, the only way you can purchase any type of goods on that marketplace. And when I say goods, I mean goods and services such as stolen credit cards, drugs, humans, whatever that may be. And the only way you can pay for it is in the form of cryptocurrency <laughs> and for the reason that it's anonymous. And so I see it on that pla in that aspect. Another aspect I'm seeing it in is on um, some of the social media sites and platforms. In particular, uh, there's some uh, social media platforms to whereas you can go on there, join in on videos, only in private videos and whatnot. And the only way you can pay for it is in the form of cryptocurrency because to them, they think that it's completely anonymous when in reality, it's actually what we call pseudo-anonymous. So pornography, child pornography, so-called entertainment like that would be something that might be part of this cyber crimes. Yes, definitely so. Um, when uh, during the COVID <clears throat> shutdowns, when I look back at the research now, there was over a 600 percent increase in cases reported that involved a sextortion, sextortion of minors. And so ultimately what they would do is uh, predators will go in through gaming platforms pretending to be, you know, the same age child. They'll do their grooming tactics. And then ultimately, um, yeah, they'll invite them to come over to private rooms and whatnot. And then what they'll do, they'll, they'll end up blackmailing them for money. If you don't show me more videos of yourself or if you don't pay me a certain amount of money, I'm going to let your parents know, therefore you're going to get in trouble. So we saw a lot of teenagers actually going in to deposit money into crypto ATMs, and then they were actually receiving the funds on their end in the form of cryptocurrency. Uh, Melissa, being a former cop, 34 years retired, and um, looking for um, our agency had cyber a cyber division as well as, um, oh my gosh, we had a child uh, predator position, uh, uh, division and such as that. Uh, I love the way that you said, well, you started making parallels between human learning behavior and cyber behavior and such as that. Do you do anything in the way of um, forecasting or profiling when you get with um, the Bitcoin and things like that and these different dark websites? Can you can you start making parallels between possible targets from that area? Can you expand on that or am I am I going down the rabbit hole? Yeah, well, uh, now, now you're getting on the topic that really intrigues me um, because my area is definitely child predators, uh, cyber predators um, and whatnot. And so. Yeah, there, there's a behavior to everything. And there's even a behavior to cryptocurrency. I can actually um, take a cryptocurrency address and I can now tell you by looking at that address and running it through the software programs that I use and tell you whether or not they're using Bitcoin tumblers and, and what they're doing. Like, for example... Yeah, there's definitely a behavior to everything uh, and trying to predict some of that behavior when you're when you're looking at cyber predators. And let's say with my area of expertise, which is sex trafficking, uh, sexual assault and rape, sextortion of children, basically uh, child predators. And looking at that, uh, definitely there's a behavior on on the Internet. And I see it all the time. I see it constantly. And I can almost make a prediction as to what platform they're going to go to yeah, and why yeah. they're going to these different platforms. I don't know if I'm 
I'm allowed to say name platforms and whatnot because of branding purposes, but there's, there's definitely specific platforms that uh, child predators will go to. And some of them, well, almost all of them are on the surface web. And so ultimately what they'll do is now they, they have figured out these, these uh, cyber predators have figured out how to develop bots, how to program bots. And some of these uh, social media platforms, now you can develop your own bot. And what a bot does, a bot is kind of like, look at a bot as a worker bee. So therefore, you're basically programming what you want that bot to go out and find and then bring that information to deliver it back into your inbox, your email box. And yeah, absolutely. And so, and I can almost almost make a prediction as to what type of predator actually has the capability of doing that because some of your older predators, some of your older predators ultimately will rely more so on Bitcoin because Bitcoin has been around for a long time. Older people, they tend to get very comfortable. They get comfortable. They, it worked for them in the past. So it's going to keep working for them in the future. However, some of your younger predators are doing a lot more different things like using cryptos such as Monero uh, and others, because it's harder to decipher Monero compared to Bitcoin. Bitcoin's a lot easier to track compared to say Monero, that sort of thing. Well, thanks because, yeah, yeah, a friend of mine, uh, a a co-worker of mine developed what he thought was a kind of a, for lack of a better term, a profile of banking accounts and transfers that dealt with, I can tell you whether it's drug money and I can tell you whether it's human Mm -hmm. trafficking by the destinations for the originations and things like that. And that's just a, that's what I call barrel fishing, you know, because at least we have a direction to go. Thank you so much for that. Well, it's the same. It's very similar with um, <clears throat> with cryptocurrency as well. You can see some accounts to where there's large amounts of money being uh, deposited. Of course, now I think the IRS has flagged it at um, under $300. So what you'll see, say if it's money laundering, for an example. So what you'll see is they will have set up an automatic deposit coming into this account under that $300 flag. So to me, that would be like, well, that's a red flag for me because now I can tell you if it's on automation or not by looking at the crypto, by looking at it within the blockchain, if it's an automated combination of deposits or if it's just random ones here or if it's just small amounts here and small amounts there. It really does depend. A lot of gamers use um, cryptocurrency as well. So they may just have to put, I don't know, you want to do gaming on this platform, it's going to cost you five bucks. Well, it'll be random sorts of five bucks. However, if you have someone on the dark web who is basically using cryptocurrency and they're doing it for drugs, you're also going to see that. Uh, you're going to see this type of repeat behavior, particularly if that when that cryptocurrency is being deposited into another account. Yeah, so there's behaviors. There's, there's financial good, behaviors. Good. There's cyber behaviors. Can uh, I throw one more ball at you? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I was just curious, like on structuring with money laundering and such as that, is there thoughts in, in, in the law, in the, in the legislation or anything like that to make some kind of structuring when we, when we go to the dark web, say this, this, and this will equal structuring, structuring, which will be a criminal violation in itself. Are you talking about trying to create a regulation? Like regulations within the dark web or yeah, a way to yeah. be able to track the, people in the dark web? Or, yes, yes. Well, that's an excellent question. And the answer to that right now is I absolutely know of nothing like that. The dark, the dark web is on a decentralized platform. When it comes to a decentralized platform compared to the surface web, which is a centralized platform, the surface web is completely regulated by the government. Uh, basically, you know, there's kind of like a middleman. There's a way in and a way out, and that can be regulated through depending on whatever browser systems you're using. However, when you go to the dark web, 
there really isn't no regulation. It's kind of like the wild, wild west. Anything goes. And mm -hmm. the reason is, is because it works on what we call peer-to-peer -peer network. So therefore, um, it's just between me and you if we're doing a transaction and it's protected basically uh, by encryption. So therefore, there, you would have to be able to go through, if you were a hacker, say, for example, to be able to get into our little conversation or what our activity, whatever we're doing, you're first going to have to hack through probably the other 3,000 people that is also connected to that decentralized platform at that particular date in that specific time. That's why they say it's almost nearly impossible. Uh, actually, I say it's nearly impossible, but it's it's pretty much impossible <laughs> to be able to do it. And that's what makes it so difficult when it comes to regulating it. Because in order to regulate the decentralized platform, which is on the which is basically a part of the, the deep and dark web, you're gonna have to regulate everybody that's connected into that networking system at the same time. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, Melissa, you also have a social media and cell phone class. Could you tell our audience about that? Yeah, uh, basically, it's a really good, um, I think it's a really good class for, it's an intro class. It's really good for new detectives, new investigators uh, who don't have a lot of familiarity with social media, even with social media that's on the dark web. There, there's a complete difference. The social media that, that's on the surface web, like, I don't know, Facebook, Instagram, Google Plus, Telegram, whatnot, all of those are on the surface web and we're pretty much all familiar with that. But when you go to the dark web, there's also different social media platforms on the dark web that's ultimately unregulated. But they try to mimic like Facebook or they try to mimic YouTube and whatnot. So... Um, really? So if you, yeah, so if you was to take that class, you would learn about more, more than just the regular social media that we're used to. You'll learn about the social media platforms that most predators tend to go into, the social media platforms that have lesser security and that are easier to hack into compared to those that are not. And also the social media, uh, social media platforms, like I said, um, that are more readily more vulnerable. What, what is most vulnerable and what isn't that kind of thing. But then we also talk about encryptions. We also talk about, uh, how you would write out specific warrants for those social media platforms, because a lot of times law enforcement, they oftentimes, um, and I, they oftentimes feel as though they need to just throw in everything but the kitchen sink. Well, the problem with that is that when these social media companies get these search warrants for information on those, they're like, well, we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't collect that. We don't collect that or that. And they won't really deliver anything back. To so what we also go over in that class is specifics. What does each social media platform collect? What is the data that they collect? Like certain platforms will collect different types of data compared to other platforms. And so that's another thing you learn in that class as well. And then, of course, you learn about artificial intelligence and bots and other things. And then you also have a background instructing regarding domestic violence and domestic abuse. Yeah, I do. Um, I've been in that field for a long time. I'm really interested, though, as you can tell, much more into the technology side of things, into the open source intelligence and that what, whatnot. But then also I do. I have a background in sexual assault and rape uh, investigations as well as domestic violence investigations. I've got years and years and years of public speaking and research and publications on domestic violence, uh, looking at different southern states and just different types of behaviors and what those vulnerabilities are. Um, um, you know, safety issues um, and that kind of thing. Well, that's excellent. Uh, let's talk about some upcoming classes that you have. Uh, you're, you'll be in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, am I right about that? Yes. 
that's your cryptocurrency and dark web investigations. That's coming up on November 28th. And then I think you also have a class coming up in Columbus, Ohio. Yes, and that's on uh, November 7th. The one in Ohio is on uh, social media and cell phone investigations. And the one um, in Nashville, Tennessee on the 28th is on cryptocurrency and dark web investigations. Fantastic. That, that's great. And uh, I know we always get excellent reviews uh, from your presentations and really appreciate the opportunity to work with you. Uh, any closing thoughts you would want to give us uh, regarding the classes that you teach? Um, well, I will say that they're constantly evolving. <laughs> I do. Um, I definitely I keep up with the changes of technology and my trainings. If you come to my trainings, they're, they're probably they're not going to be a complete replication of what the other training is because I'm always looking for what's changing, what regulations are changing, what new social media is out there, what social media platforms are the predators going to now compared to maybe what they were doing three months ago because technology is constantly changing. Cryptocurrency is constantly changing. Um, a lot of people shy away from cryptocurrency as in, well, I'm not invested in cryptocurrency. Well, when it comes to the criminal mind, when it comes to um, trying to hide their activity, cryptocurrency is definitely the way that they're they're going. Uh, it's kind of look. Think of it as your back alley deal, right? Uh, with a, your cash back alley deal, and cryptocurrency is very similar. But now they're just doing it using technology. But the, but the thing is, is that we can definitely stay on top of it, and it's always changing. It's always evolving. And I think the one thing about my classes is that I stay up to date with the times. I'll talk about changes. I'll talk about how things have changed and what's what's new now that sort of thing so i think it's real important to stay on top of technology because it's always changing tell me about your students do you have many attendees who come in knowing nothing about the subject or do you yeah. or that more often that they are somewhat expert most of the most of the students that come into my trainings are new uh they they're like i have no idea about cryptocurrency a lot of times they, they, and I hear this time and time again. Well, I, cryptocurrency isn't a problem in my area. I don't have any cases really with cryptocurrency. And then the one thing I always ask, I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure that the drug buy did not come from the dark web? Are you also sure that the gun that you came across uh, in, a, in a, a routine traffic stop actually was not purchased from the dark web. And I think one of the things I try to enforce to um, law enforcement officers is that when you learn through uh, investigations, through interviews, whatever it may be, and if they're talking about that, we need to start putting that in police reports. Because as we start putting that more in police reports, we start learning more about exactly what's really out there. So I think these trainings also uh, would be good for correction officers. As a past corrections officer years ago myself, when, when you, when someone's coming in and they're coming in through booking and intake, and that's what I worked was booking and intake, and you're going through all their property and things like that, a lot of times you don't know what to look for. You may think that a regular receipt from a, a bank is just a regular receipt from a bank, but once you learn that, well, that's a cryptocurrency receipt. Now, why would this person have a cryptocurrency receipt? Well, they're being investigated for drug trafficking or money laundering or something like that. To me, that's a really big red flag, and these are things that we need to start educating on. So I think correction officers would also be very good. Uh, for these trainings as well. Like I said, yeah, we have um, uh, a lot of my students that come into these classes, they're, they're new detectives, they're learning. And it's also good for older detectives because they also get the opportunity to hopefully learn something that they don't know. 
Absolutely. Well, we very much appreciate you being here with us. We truly enjoy our relationship with you instructing for PATC. You're an excellent instructor. Thank you so much for being here at this at the PATC podcast. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and thank you, David. <laughs> thank you, ma'am. I'm telling you, I'm in the starting blocks. I want to see a relationship and a flow chart that you could put together. That would be wild. That would be yeah. really something. Thank you, Melissa. I mean, you You're know, welcome. old dogs can learn new tricks. You just have to be gentle with us. Hey, that's exactly right. See, I keep saying that. Yeah. I keep saying that. There's always something new to learn. We always need to keep learning and growing and evolving, right? One.